One of the things that we are investing heavily in is, is, is in data technology. And especially within that data technology, not only large computers and, and nice databases and, and artificial intelligence, but also in, in the data management uh, about it. Another thing where we're investing a lot is uh, if you have that data, it will be never complete. You have to take 100% decisions with incomplete databases. And that, and that means that you need to train your people mm -hmm. to be able to deal with uncertainty and ambiguity. Mm -hmm. um, that's a skill set that in my time when I went to the university that people did not learn. I, I see younger people coming from university now into, into my company who has the ability to handle that in a far smarter way than, than I learned. So I think it is not only about the technology, it's also about developing a talent pool of people who are able to handle uncertainty and ambiguity. Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a vodcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. We are now starting our season three, and I'm delighted uh, to welcome our first guest of uh, season three, Mr. Jeroen, both from the Netherlands. Jeroen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I, I'm honored. Thank you. Uh, Jeroen is the Chief Supply Chain Officer of the Axel Group, the Netherlands. He was earlier with the British American Tobacco or BAD Industries for over two decades. So Jeroen, tell me a little bit about what is the scope of work Axel Group handles? Axel is a uh, European-based uh, company. We are a bicycle company. And we are the market leader in Europe for mainly also uh, electrical bikes, e-bikes. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a number of uh, brands, uh, both uh, Dutch brands like Batava, Sparta and Koga, but also a number of German, French brands. Mm -hmm. And we make actually any type of bicycle you can think of that goes from uh, children's bikes, also bikes for the Olympics, uh, and nowadays, we also make bikes for, for cargo uh, to, uh, to, to solve mobility problems, for instance, in, in, the, in the cities. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you know, any bike we can, we can make, uh, we are focusing on the premium and the high premium markets. And since 2006, uh, when the electrical bike was introduced by Axel in, uh, in Europe, we see more and more uh, electrification in our portfolio. But the main markets are European markets. Mm. Uh, we source our products uh, all over the world, mainly from, from Asia. So as the chief supply chain, I have to travel in Asia also a, a lot. Uh, Pre-corona times, I, I spent 30, 40% of my time in, uh, in Asia. Mm. Um, and we do all our assembly uh, ourselves. We have... Uh, four big assembly plants uh, in, in Europe, one in Turkey as well. And then we have a couple of uh, smaller uh, assembly plants. Components we, components we don't make ourselves, we, we, we buy them. And, and that is basically the, the scope. So I'm, I'm responsible as yes, a, member, a member of the board for, for supply chain, procurement, manufacturing, product development, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Fabulous. So, you know, this is a special series of interviews I'm doing yeah. on the supply chain. Yep. And thank you for, uh, you know, being a part of this. 
for a long time, I have assumed, you know, uh, I, I, I believe that the supply chain, which is so critical to the functioning of every organization, has not been getting the incredible amount of importance it deserves. So I'm going to focus our conversation today only on the supply chain. My first question to you is that what has changed in the environment that is making companies rethink their supply chains? Yeah, I, I think in the especially if you if you look in, in in my sector is the impact that supply chain has on the total company uh, is, is huge uh, about 80 percent of, of the components uh, of the 80 percent of the of the cost price we buy in in components mm -hmm. so, so if you have a if you have a company of let, let's say 1.2 billion uh, euro of, of turnover Round and about eight or nine hundred million is actually uh, spent on, uh, on on procurement, assembly, and, and logistics. Mm -hmm. so, so, so the impact and, and the and the strategic importance of supply chain, especially of of this kind of of, uh, of companies, is is extremely high. Mm -hmm. Another key driver is, of course, uh, from a consumer centric uh, thought. Uh, the service that you have to deliver, um, you know, different uh, delivery channels, the digitalization, uh, the speed of things uh, is, is another important driver. And, and last but not least, uh, Ash, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about it as well, the number of disruption in the last decades or so, and, and don't think only about COVID, think yeah. also about trade wars, about bad weather situation, Think about in Europe, especially also uh, the UK leaving uh, the EU, uh, Brexit. These all events has significant uh, disruptions and, and, and impact on, on supply chain and, and therefore also on the total P&L and balance sheet of the, of, the, of the company. Very true. Very true. Yeah. So, you know, uh, in the immediate term, most businesses have been severely affected by the pandemic. Yeah. What is your view on the impact on the supply chains? Yeah, for, for us, it was uh, huge. As I said before, uh, most of the components that we, that we buy, li like frames, li like tires, chains, and, and, and you name it, mm -hmm. are sourced uh, all over the world, ma mainly from Asia. Uh, mm -hmm. Think about countries like Taiwan, but also Malaysia, Singapore, China, etc. And, and what we have noticed, um, you know, let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, this time last year, when COVID hit for the first time, uh, the, the Asian countries, at first, uh, at first, uh, you, you know, the, the, the component supplies from Asia to, to Europe were heavily affected. Correct. Uh, and then in February, March, uh, COVID uh, traveled to, to Europe. It, it hit the European markets and also actually, you know, shops were closed, uh, economies came to a halt, etc. And then you actually discover how vulnerable your, your supply chain is. Uh, long lead times uh, and, and the longer the lead time is, the higher the chance of, of, of deviations. Mm -hmm. So I, I think one of the things that needs to change fundamentally thinking in supply chain models is, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm an old geezer as well. Uh, as I, I was raised also in terms of thinking of KPIs, of efficiency, cost reduction, etc. But the risk thinking and how you mitigate 
against risk and make the supply chain more resilient mm. uh, so that we can still deliver the goods and the finished product on time and full to the consumer, mm. taking on board that things can go wrong and, and have that risk mindset instead of only being focused on cost efficiency in cash, I, th I think, you know, that is something that we learned the last decade, but mm. especially during the last one and a half year, it became a topic very much uh, on, on board levels of, of companies like, like Excel as well. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, you are, uh, you're only handling the supply chain for a product, a finished product that has very large number of small parts. Yes. And correct. you just mentioned that you are, you know, you you've been traveling extensively all over uh, Asia, yep. your procurement, etc. Over the years, and you know, when I was growing up and talking of four decades ago, we used to have an, a chief accountant, a per personnel manager, and a purchase manager. And they have now been evolved into the chief financial officer, the chief supply chain officer, and the chief human resource officer. Yeah, I correct. want to understand from you, for all our viewers and listeners, how has the supply chain function evolved and how are you using technology? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. Um, first of all, Excel is an international company, but I always say we are actually a, a group of mid-sized and smaller companies. Um, and, and that gives us a, a certain agility. And it is only four or five years ago when we started actually to make use of our scale and, and actually align the processes so that we are ha had one facing to the, to the supplier. Mm -hmm. What is extremely important for us is actually visibility. And that you see also in, uh, in, in terms of, of crisis management, in terms of COVID, but, mm -hmm. but also in the, in the trade words. We, we need to understand not only what is happening on our supply partners, mm -hmm. but what is happening also on the tier two, the tier three, and the tier four suppliers. And uh, to get that visibility without exploding your, your overhead, uh, yeah, technology, data management plays an uh, extremely uh, important, uh, important role. Mm -hmm. that, that means be, being able to track and trace your orders, uh, both from the, from the back side of the supply chain as on the front side of the mm -hmm. supply chain is important, but also making sure that you think in scenarios. Yeah, in, um, the way I was raised, uh, making a plan, making a budget, you, mm. you did that uh, once per year, and then every quarter you did a forecast review, and, mm. and, and that was basically it. Correct. I think in this, in this FUCA world, where volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and mm. ambiguity is, 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 is a fact of, of daily life, thinking in, in scenarios and, and making sure that you are agile and that you have that transparency of data is very important. Hmm. You can do that manually and try to do that in a spreadsheet and, and by calling people and, and visiting people, but um, then you need a, a overhead that, that, will, that will be massive and exploding. Hmm. So, so one of the things that we are investing heavily in is, is, in, is in data technology, and especially within that data technology, not only large computers and, and nice databases and, and artificial intelligence, but also in, in the data management uh, about it. Another thing where we're investing a lot is uh, if you have that data, it will be never complete. You have to take 100% decisions 
with incomplete databases. Correct. And, that, and that means that you need to train your people mm -hmm. to be able to deal with uncertainty and ambiguity. Mm -hmm. um, that's a skill set that in my time when I went to the university that people did not learn. I, I see younger people coming from university now into, into my company who has the ability to handle that in a far smarter way than, than I learned. So I think it is not only about the technology, it's also about developing a talent pool of people who are able to handle uncertainty and ambiguity. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, you know, I've often been reading, I'm not an expert in the supply chain business, but I've been, often, I've been reading and I've been talking to other people. They say that the supply chain will be an automatic uh, recipient of artificial intelligence technologies, machine learning, robotics, drones. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, it, it is happening. It, it is happening. Um, but I don't know to which extent that will go. Mm -hmm. uh, I must say that the human factor is still extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, I give you one example where we apply uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, we are currently running a data program within Excel. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the problems that we had is that the same component was described in many ways. I, th I think this is a problem that, that many companies has. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, this pen, for instance, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it could be an X of, an, of a front wheel or something. Mm -hmm. And that same X in, in the different uh, plans that we have, in the different regions that we have, was de described with different codes and different uh, descriptors, etc. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so one thing that we actually did, is we actually, in the old days, we would hire people that then would harmonize their data. Mm -hmm. And what we currently have is an IE program, an artificial program, that we tell... This is the pen that we want to describe. These are the dimensions. These are the characteristics. Mm -hmm. And that program learns from that and detects where that pen is applied in our products. And then adjusted the, the data according to the standards that we, that we want. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and because it, and, and, and the artificial element in that is that from that exercise it learns. So if you then do the next component and the next component it go faster and more precise than, than, than we could have done in, in, in a manual way. So this, this is one small example that is happening. On robotics, uh, we see more and more manual processes. You know, welding a frame is hard labor. It, it's, right. it's very hot. Um, it is also dangerous work. And we see ro robots introduced in the process not so much replacing people, but helping people in that production process. Mm -hmm. uh, another uh, example, which, which I think interested you, in many assembly uh, processes, you need to screw a lot of things together. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you, you have that in the car industry as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have seen it uh, on television, but nowadays you have people that can wear a robotic hand okay. that can help them actually assemble components to each other wow. okay so yeah I, I, I think the human factor is still uh, superior because the human factor can always detect uh, deviations faster and better 
uh, than robots and artificial intelligence can. So it is about this, this, high, uh, yeah, this symbiosis, this, this, this uh, combination of these new technologies and the human element, how you can actually use it. It's not something to get spooky about. It's something that 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 you know we need to see that as a tool that in a smart way we can apply that. Absolutely, fantastic. Yeah. So now let's look at from the perspective of the customer. Yeah. The supply chain is as important uh, for delivery to the customer. Over the last few years, and more so in the pandemic, the customer has got used to home delivery of most products. And uh, home delivery within 30 minutes. Yeah. Do you think that this is going to change the paradigm of the supply chain forever? Um, y- yes and no. Um, it, it will. Uh, but maybe not in the way you're expecting. So, so this whole paradigm of supply chain is mm-hmm. all about uh, process synchronization and, and collaboration. Right. In that sense, it will not, not, not change, but the dynamics will. Uh, uh, if, uh, take a customer for a, for a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Now, a bicycle is not a food product uh, th- that needs to be delivered in 30 minutes. That yep. will never happen. Absolutely. But if you, if you look at the whole consumer journey, it, it always starts on the internet that people want to select a bike mm-hmm. and, and then start to compare and, and they start to realize where they want to use the bike for. Is it commuting? Is it sports activity? Is it leisure? Et cetera, et cetera. In the end of the day, they still want to go to an experience center to ride the bike themselves. You, you can't do that uh, digitally. So the, the digital development will change that, uh, uh, that journey of the customer. The, the, right. the consumer are far better informed but they still want to have somebody to talk to, go to a dealer or an experience center to do some test riding and, 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 and get the confirmation what they found digital on the internet. And this makes things very interesting because now you get a digital world and a physical world that needs to be married. Mm. Um, I still believe uh, in a bicycle world, we will need dealers, but that role will change. The underlying uh, processes of collaboration, mm-hmm. uh, services that you have to deliver, uh, and the synchronization between all those processes, mm-hmm. that part Ash, will remain the same. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, it will become easier. Okay. Yeah. And uh, just as a follow-up on that, uh, you know, I think work from home yeah. is becoming uh, almost a part of normal life now. And even when yeah. the lockdowns are lifted, which I hope happens soon, uh, work from home will become a part of our daily operations. How do you think working from home and uh, the fact that, you know, there's a lot of distributed engagement that will take place within the corporate world, how will that impact supply chains? Well, we, we are not a really big uh, corporate uh, kind, kind of company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, we, we have three and a half thousand people in, in total with, with a management layer, I, I think, of, of around about 150, 200 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, factories across all Europe, uh, partners in, in, uh, in Asia and distributed all, all over the world. So we were basically already used to work a lot of digital. Mm-hmm. What I do see change is that um, uh, 
prior to Corona, uh, and I actually had to look at uh, the network usage that we did. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say that was around and about 60%. If I now compare it with Corona or post-Corona even, it's, it's, it's close to 80, 90%. Mm -hmm. So I think we will go to a hybrid model where working not in the office, but from a location, Mm -hmm. Either when you travel or at home, will become more and more and more, mm -hmm. um, and the the office becomes much more of a meeting center for workshops, for, for team meetings, but not anymore uh, a place where you do in a routine way mm -hmm. your work. Be because if, if you have like we are now talking, you are being in India and I'm I'm in the, in the, in the Netherlands, we still can connect each other. We can have this interview. And, and that is what we do with our partners as well. Um, it's, it's very convenient. It, it saves time. And I think Corona forced us to learn that doing that, that, that faster. And, uh, and I, I, I will think also in Europe, we will see that balance between working at home and occasionally going to a meeting center. Mm. I think that will be the balance. Fascinating. So that means that we have to redesign our offices. Right. So I've got one more question for you and, you know, and I'm going to now go back into uh, history, uh, so to speak. Ah. When I was growing up, uh, you know, I was an accountant and I'm sure you were a purchase manager. But today, the chief supply chain officer has become a member of the C-suite part of the board. Yeah. Um, what, in your opinion, has changed and what has evolved in the role of the purchase, the purchase manager or the chief supply chain officer? Yeah, I can remember, Ash, um, when I started my career, uh, the word supply chain did not even exist. It was all about purchase and logistics. Um, and I, I think what I've seen over time, that that, that, that role has gained in strategic importance, uh, for, for sure. Nowadays, a company is like an ecosystem. If I, if I look how we do uh, product innovation, of course, we have a research and development uh, uh, department and we have factories and this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's all about connecting with partners. Mm -hmm. and, and, and for most of the breakthrough innovations, also in the bike industry, mm -hmm. it does not come from the industry itself. It comes from the, from the outside industry. Uh, the, the electrical bike is an example of that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the first uh, electrical bike was, was, a, was a steel bike with an engine of a of a domestic uh, appliance from a lawnmower, mm -hmm. and 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 that is how that innovation started. So I think companies will become more and more an ecosystem. Uh, I think the Japanese even have a term for it. They they call it a, a karitsu, mm -hmm. where where you have a company in the center with with all kinds of smaller and bigger companies around, mm -hmm. and they they work together, not necessarily owning equity in each other. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or big and, and, and complex contracts, they, mm -hmm. they are actually working in a, in, in a network, doing innovation, doing business. Very interesting. Jeroen, uh, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure speaking to you. I mean, thank yeah. you for the incredible knowledge you have shared with me on supply chains. And, you know, You're on welcome. behalf of all our viewers and listeners, I mean, I think there's so much new things they will learn from our conversation. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you very much. It has been a great honor to participate in your show. Thank Thanks you for so the interview. Thank you. Supply Chain Labs was founded in 2019 by investment firm Loomis Partners 
to identify, collaborate and invest in 50 of the best supply chain startups over a five-year discovery period. Supply chain is one of the most core areas for any segment of the economy and even more so in a large and growing country like India, which needs deep innovation to help bridge the gaps in the physical supply chain, currently amplified even more so with COVID. In a short time frame of two years, Supply Chain Labs is already known as India's first and most widely recognized supply chain focused fund and fellowship. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.